She did a Her Way podcast, episode 109, Creating Something from Nothing with Terry Brax. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hey, She Did It Her Way listeners, and um, happy Thursday, and I cannot believe that it is December 1st. This is this year has gone by so quickly. I cannot believe that we are already here. So many wonderful things to celebrate from this year. If you guys listen to my solo cast, you know that not everything is always as peachy as it seems, but we are still trucking along, and I'm right in there with you guys, so make sure you tune into that episode also, there's still some spots available on my Calendly link, so make sure you guys sign up for one of those. I would love to chat with you. And then also, too, if there's if you're not available any of those days, I also put my email address on there, so feel free to reach out that way as well. So today's episode, we are welcoming Terry Brax, who is the founder of Teacher Care and the founder of WTF, Women Tech Founders. I know that when I first heard and read WTF, I'm like, what? I already know what WTF stands for. But then when I found out it was women tech founders, I was like, oh, that's so much cooler. And Terry is such an awesome, she's just a fabulous woman. And in this episode, you guys will be able to hear her exact moment of inspiration for women tech founders. Also get the behind scenes look on how people at the top don't have it all figured out, even though I even, we, what I've learned is that Everyone, like, there's still so much stuff that happens, and and no one. It mean like at once you feel like you figured it out, you take one step forward, and you realize like you know nothing. So I'm not saying that Terry Brack said that. I'm saying that in addition that I know from my experience that just when you think you figured it out, you realize that you have nothing figured out, and that's okay as too. Also, discover what keeps Terry in the game of entrepreneurship as well. Understand the value of revenue models. We have to make money, ladies, women, guys, whoever's listening to this podcast in order to be sustainable or figure out how we're making revenue to support ourselves and building sustainable companies and continue that growth along the way. So tune in for Tech Talk Thursday, creating something from nothing with Terry Brax. All right. We are with the lovely Miss Terry Brax from the uh, Women Tech Founders and also Teacher Care. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Amanda. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you because you're such a voice of influence for women in tech. And I'm going to just turn it right over to you. Tell us what it is that you do and, and how what those companies do. And then we'll go from a high level how you got there. Okay, so I have uh, two companies. We have Teacher Care, which is a um, service that helps families and organizations find private teachers. So we have teachers that range from uh, early childhood teachers. So as an alternative to a nanny, an educated person that's working one-on-one with the kids and developing um, educational activities that are fun and spontaneous throughout the day, um, to working with places like Mercy Home for Boys and Girls, where we are having personalized uh, tutoring for kids that have unique uh, challenges and needs. 
Um, we also then have Women Tech Founders, and Women Tech Founders was an outgrowth, and I, I guess we'll go through those questions in a little bit, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we're an organization that helps women who are in technology and leadership come together and advance, and we primarily do that through events and media. Okay. What, um, talk to us a little bit about Teacher Care and what inspired you to start it, because you've had that company for over a handful of years, which is just, I think, impressive, especially when having a company... Because it's, it's so hard like to keep and scale and grow a company. And it's impressive when people have them for such a long time. So tell us about that. Yeah, so it was definitely, I think like a lot of women's companies, you know, they're born out of a need that you uniquely see. And I was needing a great childcare and I wanted someone who would be connecting with my child. I didn't just want them to be in kind of a warehouse situation. And I wanted to, to be somebody that was going to be folding education into the day. So I didn't want them just sitting in front of the TV or somebody who was just going to be physically caring for them, but really, you know, engaging them in things that are fun and creative, like I would have done if I would be home. So um, I wound up fi finding a teacher and she was just kind of magical with the way that learning would happen and the kids had no idea that they were learning, but it was like, aha, so now she's teaching them this and now she's teaching them that. <laughs> Here's the physical, emotional development, like, wow, this is great. And so I knew when I saw that magic happening that there'd be other moms who would want that too. And so that was kind of the spark for teacher care. And we uh, we went fairly quickly national, and we have been serving uh, families that are looking for the Kind of the, that very special child care, whether your children are gifted or if your children have special needs and primarily working in the homes. But uh, we've also been working with organizations, like I mentioned, Mercy Home, but there's organizations uh, that are in different types of specialized segments. And so it's been a really cool trip to see how we can help you know, families all over the place kind of grow and learn. Yeah. Well, cause you've had that company now for, I think your LinkedIn says about 20 years and then you have women tech founders is so infant compared to how, how long teacher care has been around because, um, it's almost coming up two years too for women tech founders. What's been like the biggest difference starting women tech founders versus teacher care? Probably the acronym WTF for uh -oh. women tech founders. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like having a split personality. I have this company called Teacher Care, and it's so funny because when you tell people that you have a teacher company um, or anything related to that, they tend to like sit up straight or stand up straighter. It's so funny to see in like their physical reactions. You tell them that you have a company that's um, basically WTF is what everybody knows us by, and totally different reaction happens. So it's it's been pretty cool kind of to see the differences. Yeah. When you, what inspired you? What was that first moment for you to start Women Tech Founders and why? So Women Tech Founders was a direct outgrowth. Uh, again, like you see a problem, like I wanted their childcare and I, I wanted, you know, something better than what I saw was available. And so you create it. And it was the same thing with Women Tech Founders. I um, came into, as, as we're growing and scaling the company, you're getting more into the tech and deeper and deeper. And a few years ago, we were like really deep into that whole side of things, and the Chicago area was just getting started on its growth with startups, and the lack of women was super apparent. Like at that point, less than 3% um, of all tech startups 
were led by women. And so you could pretty much go, you know, most of the day without ever seeing another woman. And so everybody's kind of learning on their own. And it, there were also, um, the problem wasn't just like in Chicago, the problem was nationwide. And there was a lot of publicity going on, like, what is the problem? Why, why do we have this problem? And I was actually brought into a think tank to talk about it. And it just became apparent that everyone was facing a lot of the same issues separately. And there was a lot of the WTF, not the acronym, going on because <sighs> we needed to be able to have support. And the best way to do that is to create the support for each other. And so um, Women Tech Founders kind of did that. We brought we brought women together to become role models for other women and to break the stereotypes about what it looks like to be a woman in tech because we found that was also um, some of the things that were holding other people back. And so the WTF was a call to action, but it was also a way that a lot of people who were underrepresented in the industry at that time kind of felt like there's a place that understands me and I, I want to be a part of that and change it. And so we became about making change as well. And over the course of the first year that we came out, we saw the numbers dramatically increase. And it was a result of a lot of um, people who were really passionate about this and who were really intelligent and leaders coming to these activities and spinning off and other organizations, great organizations, you know, stepping up as well. And so over the course of the year between 2015 and 2016, we saw Chicago become the global leader of women in tech with now 30% of mm. all tech startups led by women. So Woo. super. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me excited. What um, you talked about earlier, some of the hurdles or unique situations. What were some of those unique situations or hurdles that you found to be a common theme amongst like what women face when it's in tech? So there were some things that um, were controllable and some things that weren't as controllable. So of course they're sitting at that table. You know, you were hearing stories about sexism. Clearly, that was kind of at the time when even Time Magazine had. And um, the cover had a skirt of a woman standing there, and there was a clicker going up the back of her skirt. You know, it was that. It was wait, that. what? Yeah, yeah. This is like again, to like um, 2014, end of 2014, and it was Time Magazine's cover story because that problem was so big. You know that, and it needed to be solved. But literally, showed a little clicker going right up the back of her skirt. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm gonna have to like Google that. Yeah, totally, totally. But it really represented the frustration, I think, that women were feeling at that point. And so definitely sexism. But there were other things totally that are contributing to the difficulties that we were having. And they're getting better now. But, you know, they still need they still need a lot of attention and focus. And that was the fact that we need role models. We need role models for women in leadership, in tech, and in leadership overall on boards and corporations. You know, this is such an important thing that people who are aspiring to do something like lead a corporation or still do a startup or whatever it is, have somebody that they can see that looks like them, somebody that gives them that feeling inside that this could be me. If they could do that, then I could do this. And so we felt that that was a huge step. But when you looked and 
the um, tech panels at the time and the tech books and it was all men literally like when I started um, into you know really going deep in the tech world I got this book and it was like founder stories for startups and it was kind of like the bible and it was like two inches thick right and oh my gosh it, it was like one woman was in there and she wasn't even leading it was like oh my god there's like this is so wrong so as as we started this whole kind of movement that came on every woman understood that that I would ask you know will you help us and will you go out there and will you put yourself out there and be a role model and they were all like yes this is what I needed and I want to do this and so the the really cool piece I think of our first event was that it was so incredibly diverse and we've always made sure with all of our events since incredibly diverse with with race with age with industry um, you know all the way across the board we want to make sure that every young woman is going to be able to see somebody that looks like them and every career changer you know can look at somebody and think hmm maybe maybe I can try something that reflects me and I'll I can do this too so yeah yeah. What, um, are there any other like controllables that you, I mean, I know you mentioned role model and, uh, types were a big thing too. We actually put, um, a lot of calls out to university students, things like that. And we asked them, you know, have you just, have you thought about a career in tech in startups or what have you? And it was like really surprising how many, young women didn't want to go into it because they didn't want to be perceived as something that they didn't feel they were. And that was the other reason that we felt like we needed to do events where we created a platform for women to be up there in front so people could really see that this is not a woman who is like hiding behind a computer because that is the stereotype, you know, that you're, you're shying away. And that's why you have to be in tech because you're not that kind of out there person, you know, but the, the real story is that the women who tend to go into these types of things in, in any type of, of leadership role really, but um, obviously we're focused on tech. There are people that came to it because they have this, this passion that they want to do something. We have women who have created, um, like Katie Hench who created an autism, an app for autism because her little brother was autistic and she knew that he needed more ways to be able to learn. And Desiree Vargas had created at that time Give Forward to help people with medical needs be able to crowdfund. And I, it, the stories like went on and on about women and they came to the tech industry not because they wanted to like play with programming but they wanted to achieve this this goal that they're like driving their soul you know and Mm -hmm. they were going to like knock down walls in order to make that happen yeah those were the stories and we had story after story after story like that and that's why I went into agriculture and that's uh, agriculture you know for tech um, or food tech or, or fintech or health tech and you know the reasons were always so deep and so inspiring. And that became the message that we wanted to show women and we knew would break those stereotypes. Yeah. What have you learned the most um, starting the Women Tech Founder Group just from like a business standpoint in the past two years? I, th- I think the importance of, of building ecosystems to make something move forward. So when we started out, we were very focused on the founders themselves. 
But very quickly we saw, you know, you really need the support of the, the it takes a village, you know, kind of thing is, is the women who were in the broader area of tech and the funders, you know, women who would invest in other women because they understood the problems mm. and the, the different types of students that would come in and some of them would be programmers and some of them would be UI designers and some of them, you know, all these different skills that people were bringing into the system. How important it is to develop that whole ecosystem instead of just alone focusing on that, that one small piece. We need that support. Mm-hmm. What has been, um, have you experienced any hurdles along the way with getting women tech founders up? And then if so, like, what were they and then how did you overcome that as like a problem of growing and scaling a business, let's say? I think when you start with a passion, so this is the catch, right? So so women tend to start with this passion, like I just mentioned. And oftentimes, and I'm I'm guilty of this too, you're you're so dedicated to the goal that your revenue models need to be built out in order to reach the broader goals, in mm. order to really scale things out. Um, so yeah, I'd say if I, that would be definitely something that I would caution every woman who starts the business, you know, think of your, your revenue model as strongly as you're thinking about the passion and how to get to it. Um, the other thing that has been really interesting to me is to see how, how often people who are driving things really don't know the answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Talk to us more about that. It It's this role that I have in Women Tech Founders has been really interesting and in that I, I do get an opportunity to see kind of behind the curtain of some in, incredible, like world-changing women, um, not just as, in startups, but in an enterprise. And the challenges that they face and those conversations that lead to that where when I started this, I would look and see this woman who, in my head, knew absolutely everything and never kind of back-checked herself, you know? I mean, just like she was so confident, right? Mm-hmm. But what I've, what I've really seen is that all of us have insecurities just coming from different places, and we're all trying to work through them. But I see the value of having that confident front in order to be able to move other people forward. And um, so I'm learning all those kinds of lessons, too, about about how to drive a company, about how to build leadership and so many different pieces and parts. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that uh, it's so true of being it's like you have to have that front to that like confidence in the whole Amy Cuddy, like fake it till you become it type thing mm-hmm. and be able to lead with confidence. And I think the beautiful thing about women is that we also have humility at the same time. So it's like such mm-hmm. a great asset of our intuition and being able to do and have, have both of those. Um, we were talking about like making sure we build out revenue models. Is that something that like um, with women tech founders you had to experiment with, or did you know right away what it would be? Or is it something maybe you're still experimenting with and finding things that are working or still like, where do you find yourself in with that? So when we started all this, um, every everyone who was involved in Women Tech Founders themselves owned a company, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a total grassroots movement. So it was really designed to be uh, nonprofit 
type of model that we would be able to help young people that would never have an opportunity to connect with this group of women we would we would create a place that they can um since starting this i've learned more and more about how important it is to still have a revenue source (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah we were learning a lot about that and how how the the setup of the company is going to make a difference in all of that so we're really focused now on creating events having sponsorships is primarily how we do it we want to make sure that we can have every woman um, be a part of what we're doing so we don't make money from ticket sales it's more of the sponsorships and people organizations that understand how important it is to lead women and to to support women for their own success for our economic success of our city, you know, for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what's kept you in the game this long? And I say like game, but game of entrepreneurship, because someone such as myself who has been dabbling in it for a mere like young four and a half years, what, what keeps you going? I think it's pretty addictive, and I'm I'm sure you'd agree. Once once you've been in it, it's almost like a bug that bites you. And I've had this conversation with a with a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's really it's really hard to not think in the terms that an entrepreneur starts thinking. Um, you know, all the crazy things that go along with that, like the waking up at three in the morning and all that, all that stuff that comes along the way is hard, but the rewards for it are so high and seeing, seeing that you can create something from nothing is just an amazing fill you up kind of feeling and knowing that you can make the world a better place that is just you know so rewarding mm-hmm. what um tell us about like the the absolute like i want your war war story your absolute like worst uh challenging moment when you were built whether it's like with women tech founders or teacher care but the worst experience war story that you've had with entrepreneurship and then what did you learn from it well, that goes back to the whole WTF acronym. So, <laughs> um, I, I think I found, not I think, I found the process at that time, you know, that was like three years ago of building this technology platform that we had built uh, to, to be launching at a time when everything was too new. Timing timing in, in the tech startup world is like incredibly important. In fact, they say it's like the number one um, way to succeed is to have some kind of a platform at the time when there is a lot of things happening around it. And when we built uh, Teacher Care Online, it was at a time, which is a, a, a second model, it was kind of the next version of teacher care. It was at a time when I don't feel like there was the the support, the foundation to really be able to take that company and grow that company. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was, again, kind of going back to all the reasons that we created Women Tech Founders, because again, it was a lot of the same reasons that the other women that were sitting at that table were running into. About the timing with the technology? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What, like in that moment when you were experiencing it or, or, and maybe I think like, it's one of those things it, uh, now I'm like auto processing. I'm like thinking in my head, the question at the same time I'm talking, um, when like, you know, when you, you start running or you're training for a marathon, like you run a first mile and it might like, if you haven't like done a lot of running in the past, it's hard. And then you build up to two miles and then you build up to three miles. Have you found entrepreneurship to be that way that as you get, acquire more years and a more experience, you build up that stamina. So maybe if you had the same experience at 18 years in versus six years in, do you think that you can work through that problem a lot better and easier having more experience? Or do you think entrepreneurship just changes period? No, I, I I totally believe that bringing experience to the table makes all the difference. And that, that was one of the big pieces is to bring women together so that we all weren't having to learn the same lessons individually, that we could share our stories, that we could share our lessons with each other so that we could all move forward faster and advance faster. Mm-hmm. Have, there, have there been any stories or lessons that have like repeated themselves that you've noticed among the women tech founders community? Um, give, give me uh, maybe an example of what you're thinking. Um, like for you, yours was, um, timing and technology and really understanding that, that platform or the ecosystem or whatever you might call it. Are there other, um, relatable experiences for women who are also tech founders in addition to that? I'm going to scrap that question. I guess I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm like in my head, I'm like thinking, I'm like, I know what I'm trying to say, but I can't get it out. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to scrap that. Um, Okay. So I'm going to throw one thing out there just in case you don't have a question for it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of, one of the cool things again about having this women tech founders is that I've had a lot of feedback from women about wanting to come into the industry but then feeling like maybe they don't belong in the industry. And like my big message that I want to give today is that if you want to be in this industry, you should be in this industry. You should get in there. Don't let it hold you back that you don't have, you know, this super strong programming background or you don't know everything about X, Y, Z because you don't, Women, I don't think, give themselves enough credit for what they do know and how strong and impactful that can be and how we can all work together to fill each other's voids and to learn from each other to move each other forward. So, yeah, if you if you want to come in, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no more limiting beliefs. Exactly. <laughs> Just get in there and start start doing it. Okay, so some, and some of these next questions are in particular to – like you and your, um, just your experiences. So what's something, like what do you do when you start to feel overwhelmed? I run. I'm back to that, <laughs> that training thing. Yeah, I, I'm a huge runner. I can knock all my aggressions out that way without bothering anybody or. <laughs> I can just like imagine you like knocking out six miles like it's no one's business. I can do that. I yeah. <laughs> <love that. laughs> How many marathons have you done? 
I don't do marathons. I did a half marathon, but I've never done anything over because it's like for me, it's like a joy, right? I've always worried because I've seen people who do marathons and then they quit running or they blow something out or, you know, and, and I love it. So I did, I put my headphones, you know, I I put my earplugs and I'm, I'm out of there. I'm just going, you know, and it's like every problem starts dripping away and come up with solutions that I wouldn't have otherwise. So for me, that's my, that's my go-to. Yeah. What, do you have a morning routine? And then if so, like, how did you make it what it is today? Yeah, that that goes back to the running. That's when I run. (laughs) I get up crazy early if I have to, but it starts my day. It gets me going. Yeah. And then then emails. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee emails run. (laughs) Coffee emails run and uh, repeat. Okay. How do you, how do you make tough decisions? As I'm sure you've had plenty to make, like just with running a business, but how do you make them? And like, what do you, is there some sort of formula you follow when you make them? I definitely do the whole thing of weighing the pros and cons. And I try not to make them too quickly. Mm-hmm. So I try to, because I, I tend to want to do things really quick and get them off of my plate. But I find that it's better for me to sit on things before I let it go. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, um, can you tell us a time when you maybe made, I don't want to say the wrong decision because I think everything in life teaches us something and, and it teaches us something and also shapes us, but totally. like a, a time when you did make a decision too quickly and it kind of bit you in the butt, if you will. I think probably, you know, a really tough decision was um, we are having this um, conference that's coming up in March, um, March 23rd, by the way, Yay. it is going to be the Midwest Women in Tech Conference. So we are roping everyone in in the region. We have Angie Hicks from Angie's List coming down to Headline and Coco Mears and um Genevieve Thiers and just like all the all the big names in the Midwest are coming out and it's going to be held at the Google office and when we found out that uh, Google wanted to create a venue for us we needed to make a decision about whether or not to move our current date and current time and and so that was that was definitely a struggle and was really hard because you know again I'm like a person who wants to get going and wants to, you know, just knock it out of the ballpark as fast as possible. But we knew that if we, if we, we were getting such a great reception and so many other things were happening with that conference that we knew if we would wait until after the winter, and that was what was so hard is because the Midwest in the middle of winter, you know, you're really losing December, January, February, Mm -hmm can't do anything so that means we had to wait until March from our original um, November kind of date so that was that was really tough and bit in the butt a little bit but it's gonna be good it's gonna be good we're gonna learn and we're gonna have a killer event at that point yeah and it totally it sounds like it was done for a like for good reason you know like it's it was worth waiting and and until until March what are 
Exactly. We can really blow it out. And this is the kind of thing that I guess as a person who started something that was very grassroots that I knew nothing about events, but we just had so much momentum for them that they always have, you know, been amazing. But this is like to go from creating an event to creating this conference is a big jump for us. And so having that extra time to learn and to, to get so many people, amazing people involved in it, that's going to be a real game changer for us. Yeah, I'm super excited for you guys for that. Okay, couple last questions. Um, what is What has been your favorite book? And it doesn't have to be a business book. It can be any book. Yeah, the Meaning of Life. Um, it is a book that was written, oh shoot, I can't remember the name of the author. Um, I will try to get it to you in case any of your listeners want it. <laughs> it, it, it was written by a man who was in a concentration camp, um, in the oh. second world war. Oh my gosh. Um, Victor Frankel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Such oh a God. good book. Awesome, awesome book. And, and you know, the lessons that he learned there about people, just fascinating. Yeah, I that that book is amazing. I love how we broke it up into two parts about the first part was like a story about the like his experience in concentration camp and then how like people uh, and I know this is like kind of going off course a little bit, but the 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 little the story in the book about when. Um, people thought they were going to be freed on, let's say, like this coming Friday as they heard throughout the camp, and then Friday came and they didn't get um, liberated. He was saying like so many people gave up hope, and then that's when he really started peeing, started seeing, excuse me, people trickling off and then passing away and dying, and, and it goes back to like having hope for our lives, like our, the life that we lead, and yeah. Whew. Yeah, no, it, it, as I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, my mom's a concentration camp survivor, and she was in Siberia. And so I the stories that she told, you know, they she lived actually underground in a and in, in two, for two years, she lived underground wow. in a morgue. And so she took care of the dead and the dying as a teenager, lost her whole family. Like she was just incredibly strong and inspiring and so I've always been fascinated by these stories and his story I thought was yeah what they brought to everyone who reads it is amazing yeah it's a fantastic book okay last question what is if you leave us with one piece of advice or wisdom what is it so I think, you know, what what had pushed me forward is actually like a result of what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Whenever things got really, really hard for me my entire life, I've always thought, you know, if my mom could live underground and do what she did, and she was able to build a family. She was able to come and build, you know, build a home and do incredible things. And she worked really hard to do it. She worked nights in a factory. She, you know, she did all these things. And I, I think that it makes you so grateful to be able to do anything. And and I've always thought because of that, that no matter what I do, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Unless I'm physically not okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's people to support you. There's, there's, so much here that we have in this country, you know, and when you have been given gifts like that and you have some kind of education and people around you, you can do anything. And I, I, I hope that everyone who hears this message 
here's that because I, I know it's so easy to to want to stop but but go go try it you know you're going to be okay you're going to be happy you go for it yeah well i i really appreciate you coming on the show terry because i know you're extremely extremely busy and you've got a lot of stuff going on and we'll link in our show notes um to the event as well and everything that we talked about but yeah thank you again so much i really appreciate it well thank you amanda have yeah. a great you too bye terry Bye. See you. Hey, She Did It Her Way listeners. This holiday season, She Did It Her Way is partnering with Binet. Binet was co-founded by Michelle Blue, who was a guest on the She Did It Her Way podcast. And Binet was born in 2013. It's a collection of scarves inspired by the culture where this all began and committed to providing an education to girls in Ghana by sponsoring tuition, books, supplies, and the uniforms for the girls to continue their education and fulfill their dreams. So every time you purchase a scarf, you help a girl in Ghana with tuition and education. So from now until Christmas... Benet is offering 15% off to the She Did It Her Way podcast community. All you have to do is when you go to benetscarves.com, apply the code HERWAY at checkout to receive the 15% off. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out shedidithherwaypodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.